If you would like to support the podcast and get some extra content while you're there, head on over to patreon.com forward slash severe MMA podcast and sign up. From the rewatch to the Q&A, we will have loads of content every week. So sign up, patreon.com forward slash severe MMA podcast. And now, here's the podcast. Graham McDonald is an idiot. Sean Sheehan of severemma.com. He even has the audacity to call himself the quote-unquote pod god. This is Severe MMA. Severe MMA. Severe MMA. Severe MMA. Severe MMA. Severe MMA. The Severe MMA podcast is finally here. Welcome to the Severe MMA podcast. Here's your host, Sean Sheehan. Welcome, welcome everybody. It's episode 361 of the Severe MMA Podcast. My name is Sean Sheehan, aka the pod god, the legend, joined today by the Jessica McCaskill of Irish MMA Media, Graham McDonald, uh, as we talk about uh, an interesting weekend in the world of mixed martial arts. Massive card next week. And you know what? We might even talk a small bit about boxing, although... You know, myself and Graham tried to avoid that as much as we can, but it was hard to avoid it this weekend anyway, but we will uh, we will get to all of that. Before we do, we must tell you that summer is here, the sun is shining, shorts are off, and your balls are smooth, or at least they should be. You heard that right, your friends at Manscaped are here to make sure your balls uh, are beach ready and smooth as the Floridian sand in summer. You want to kill some cold beers and barbecues, not kill the vibe with pubes peeking out of your trunks. That's why Manscaped has a performance package 4.0 to help the party in your pants keep looking crisp and refreshing all summer long. Dive headfirst into summer by joining the 4 million men worldwide who trust Manscaped and get ready for hot guy summer by going to manscaped.com forward slash no, just use the promo code Severe MMA. Will that work? Manscaped.com forward slash Severe Maybe it will. Try it out. If not, just go to Manscaped.com, use the promo code Severe MMA, and get 20% off plus free shipping. This performance package 4.0 is fantastic. Everything you need for the perfect summer bod. It has that lawnmower 4.0, the weed whacker, which trims your ear and nose hair, the crop preserver ball deodorant and the crop reviver toner as well as a performance boxer briefs and that travel bag that lawnmower 4.0 amazing stuff advanced skin safe technology 7000 rpm motor multifunction on and off travel lock as well as a 4000k led spotlight when you need a bit of a more precise shave it's waterproof too did you know that so you can fucking get it done underwater if you want once your downstairs has been taken care of uh try the, the liquid uh, formulations then as well the crop preserver ball deodorant and stay cool in the summer heat and the crop reviver to get your garden back to tip top shape the two free gifts then are amazing too the boxers and the shed travel bag that you will bring at your comfort want to take your grooming game even further take a look at Manscaped Shears 2.0, a package that is everything you need to cut pristine uh, nails, nail cutters, tweezers, and grooming scissors are with that. With the performance package, your balls will be ready to impress, but make sure you cover the rest with the Shears 2.0, and you'll be ready to perform from head to toe. So get 20% off and free shipping with the promo code SEVEREMMA at manscaped.com. That's 20% off with free shipping at manscaped.com using the promo code SEVEREMMA. This is the summer to turn your package into a full package with manscaped.com 
Right, Graham, let's talk some uh, some combat sports. Um, and, uh, you know, we, we will obviously get into the MMA, but I have to talk about that madness at the Katie Taylor fight uh, last night. And I know you didn't stay up for it, but the... Uh, uh, I'll, I'll maybe talk about it quickly, but also the Tyson Fury bout last weekend. It's it's a, a very interesting to compare it and look at what we have in mixed martial arts these days, and uh, <laughs> you know, and 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 see the difference between the what we had kind of maybe growing up in the sport and what we kind of have now because. We used to always talk about MMA making the big fights, MMA making the big nights and boxing, kind of avoiding them at all costs. Now, Katie Taylor and Amanda Serrano, I think I, I'm not as much in the know about the, the boxing scene and, and the women's boxing scene as, as well, but everyone kind of was saying that is the big fight, you know, that is the big fight to make, and they made it. Tyson Fury, okay, uh, him and Joshua Rusick is the big one, but obviously Joshua Rusick after uh, after rematch, but him against uh, Dillian White sold out, or maybe not sold out, but sold 90,000 to Wimbledon, or close to that as well. They're making massive fights, whereas MMA is not selling out stadiums. It, maybe it could, but they're not doing it. They're even not making the massive fights that we want to see. They haven't been able to make Jones versus Ngannou. Uh, they weren't able to keep Habib around. They weren't able to make Habib versus Usman. Or, you know, GSP versus Anderson never happened. Or GSP they, they versus Jones never happened. They haven't even really, to me, recently even seemed to try very hard yeah. to make any of these happen. <laughs> they just seem, ah, whatever. And, and I, look, a lot of that is down. We said this, I actually heard someone saying, I, I think it was an Ariel who was saying it this week, and we've been saying it for a long time. And Dave Meltzer as well, Fair Play Tim, has been saying it for a, a long time. It's because of this ESPN deal where they're getting yeah. uh, 500,000 buys for every pay-per-view, regardless of many they sell. They the equivalent of that amount of money from ESPN or have already gotten it. And all they're doing is for fulfilling the nights. Now, it's actually making a lot of sense for ESPN because the card's been selling very well mostly to do with the pandemic, I would say, but the UFC have realised, and they know, that they don't need to put on these bonkers cards all the time. Now, some cards are still very good, and some fights are, are still very good. That's kind of the nature of MMA, I suppose. But it, it just feels like, as you kind of alluded to there, the UFC are holding back a little bit. Um, and look, they're holding back because of a, for a number of different factors. Uh, I think the whole the major holdback for them is not paying the fighters enough because someone like a John Jones, you could say, okay, they did make the John Jones and Ganu fight, and I'm sure a lot of people will probably say, well, they tried to, and John Jones refused to fight. Well, if you're offering peanuts to fight, John Jones is not just going to go and fight, nor he should, you know. Um, like and, if you, if you compare it to like for example just popped in my head of Lorenzo basically taking over the negotiations for yes. Fedor and offering him like what was it thirty million dollars for five fights or thirty million dollars for six fights or something along those lines five or six million a fight like that's when you're actually trying to make it happen and Fedor didn't accept it or whatever wanted a co promotion and the UFC could literally say okay we tried our best and it it wasn't to be but with these other ones you know the John Jones and Ganu one did they really try did they they think uh, we're gonna have to pay these guys more so we might not bother doing this at the moment you know what I mean as you said when you're guaranteed kind of the same amount of money either way where's the incentive to go kind of all yeah. out to make to make these bouts happen or to sign like the Fedors or to you know to put together the like you know I think they did try back in the day to put together Anderson Silva and GSP and kind of GSP kind of oh if I move up I'm never going to move down so wait a while wait a while and it just kind of went like that but they did actually try but I think the Nganu Jones thing is more of a 
showing the public that you tried without actually really trying in my opinion a hundred percent I remember the Connor DMs as well with Dana like Connor was trying to get yeah, fights oh and, God, yeah. Yeah, and I couldn't. still I still I still don't understand what was going on there it's, yeah. it's, to me it's mind boggling like. it, it's it's very odd because like even if you have someone you know at, at, at one maybe not now necessarily obviously with the injury but at that stage in was it in the, was that during the pandemic I think it was where McGregor was trying to get that season he was trying to get back he it was, was directly the, after the Cerrone yeah. January fight so it was like you know just when the kind of he wanted to get in there before the pandemic even hit and when the pandemic was hitting and everybody didn't really know what was going on and all along like so uh, yeah I don't know what the Look what at, the motivation is here <laughs> is, it, is the motivation basically like keep the wages down or keep the, well, the pain down at all costs it yeah. seems to be uh, with, with Connor as well they wanted to make a big gate off of him and obviously when the pandemic was there and they couldn't uh, sell tickets that was a big issue because they're not making money from pay per view but when they're if if they're selling the pay per view in a pandemic at the time when there was no other sports like you UFC were the first sport to kind of yeah but they aren't making back. they aren't making the money from the uh, pay per view ESPN is making the money from the pay per view yeah so that means ESPN would have to stump up to get McGregor if they wanted him and I'm sure they're not doing that they've already paid their money so it's down to the UFC to provide that so that like the UFC have zero incentive apart from the massive gate that McGregor would sell and maybe the advertising and stuff like that as well but with no gate available they weren't going to do it and they just iced him for a long while and you know Ariel as well this week was talking about him icing Nate Diaz I would say more than likely because he's on the last fight of his contract and they want him maybe to fight McGregor it's the UFC everything that we came up and MMA fans maybe of our era came up loving that it's not boxing it doesn't have all these titles it doesn't have all this politics has kind of turned around and now it is all of this nearly and and Dana was so proud to proclaim that uh, regularly about how we'll never be like boxing where we'll just put on a bunch of fights nobody cares about and you know (laughs) and this is exactly what they're doing it's still not as bad with boxing in that way it's on the way though it's on the way it is on the way and it feels like boxing has kind of realised the, not necessarily the errors of its ways but it realised you know everyone used to say oh boxing is dying and for a while it was in terms of like people caring about it or you know um, being uh, being emotionally invested in terms of the top fights because we wanted to see Pacquiao versus Mayweather for years and years and years and it didn't happen until you know they were both all there was still a you know good bout and there were still good fighters when it happened but still now it feels like those bouts are actually happening now maybe in heavyweight a little bit maybe not but um, it seems like they're happening more and more you hear boxing people talking about oh this is one of the best fi- fighting one of the best maybe even if we don't know him or, or you know so not a boxing expert or anything like that and MMA might be uh, you know might be the other way around and I hope that's a thing that, that's changing and, and I kind of I, I kind of think it needs to but anyway I suppose if you look at the the popularity of the sport in the UK it's very interesting as well with Tyson Fury obviously selling out with Anthony Joshua selling out even if you look at um WWE are coming to Cardiff and all indications are that they are going to sell out I, maybe I think tickets went on sale Friday I'm not sure but they're they're doing a massive stadium over there as well Eddie Hearn talking about coming to to Croke Park and we'll get to Katie Taylor in a second but the UFC to have not done a stadium show around here uh, in the UK or in Ireland especially with McGregor they had, they had it with McGregor and they, they, they refused to do it or not do him in America we see um, Dallas Cowboy Stadium being used uh, a few times for boxing before and it's it's. I think it's just crazy the UFC to 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 be so settled in their ways is actually 
uh, a really bad thing, I think. The UFC need to change things up a little bit. They need to get a little bit different. They need to get a little bit funky. You know, that's what L- MMA is all about. Yeah, yeah, that's formulaic, I think, is the, is the real. And and in a world as well where we are so formulaic, you know, every card is the exact same. I was saying it last week there about, um, you know, you go, to, you go back and you watch a fight from Fight Island and you wouldn't know if it's a fight in Fight Island. You wouldn't know if it's a fight in the Apex. You wouldn't know if it's a fight in, you know, in Atlanta, Georgia. Or whatever it might be, it's the same over and over and over. Like Bellator last week put on one in uh, in Hawaii, and you knew it was in Hawaii. They were all wearing Hawaiian shirts. They, they had the you know the the hula or whatever you want to call it for uh, for Liam and Liam McFarlane when she came out and things. Like the, the UFC need to improve on that, and it's it's a big big thing. But like those epic walkouts we saw for Tyson Fury, it was too much and it was mad and all, but why not a bit more of that like everyone do you remember remembers- do you remember the strike force strike force walkouts they used to make a big kind of song yeah. and dance about it and make it a little bit different and it did feel a little bit you know a little bit special you know or this fight means something more even if you're a casual who's never heard of the guys you just tuned in it looks like a bigger deal yeah it looks like a bigger event like boxing or have a good uh like the, uh, and the big bouts like the the furies the the Joshua's they they have a, a, you know a proper walk in, uh, everything kind of builds up. It's it's it seems like it's a bigger event and it usually is with boxing and you know to a casual who who's not really you know too interested either way that will make them stay and watch and keep them interested. I think yeah. more than like and just an average walk in in the UFC and <laughs> they're just kind of listening off a few stats and the guy's walking in and getting Vaseline on his face and that's about it. Like the pro- the problem as well is you know we. We are in the UFC looking at a company owning uh, the, the a, mar- a major part of the sport and cutting costs to try to get everything down to just produce what they need to produce to earn money the way they need to do it. They're not looking at it as an entertainment brand anymore, and that. But they've I, shown I, glimpses of it, like you know they did yeah. the Sinead O'Connor and the the Chad Mendes Long guy. Time and, ago, though. Yeah, it's yeah. true. Yeah, and yeah. Dana did say at the time that they'd probably do it on occasion uh, again, but it doesn't. Didn't materialize, and obviously, you know, things seem to have changed. It is kind of like you know, nickel and diming, as they say. Indeed, it is. But that that Katie Taylor about last night, it was it was absolutely it was unbelievable. One of the best I've ever seen. Um, the, the maybe with the worst commentary I've ever seen as well. Like I called you Jessica McCaskill coming in there, and I know you didn't see it, but she was commentating, and she fought Katie Taylor before and lost to her, and. Honest to God, it was like Katie Taylor never thrown a punch in her life, and certainly didn't throw one during the uh, the twenty minutes of this bout because it was just like, oh, uh, <laughs> Katie whiffs on another one. Oh, here uh, Serrano's landing. Serrano lands left. Serrano, la-. like literally, there was one round where Katie Taylor just boxed the ears off her, and sh- she didn't mention one punch in- through the whole thing. It was like Daniel Carmi at times a thousand. She was worse than Mike Lowe and I described her as, which is the, the ultimate, the yeah. ultimate in in terms of sporting commentary. But um, yeah, if you yeah. want to feel feel a little bit better about the the UFC commentary, just some of the boxing commentary over the years, some of the oh, the God. bias and some of the scorecards that come up, you you're just Ridiculous. like mid mid point. It's like what the fuck is going on? Yeah, I, I think I think as well though, Sky is just uh, Sky's commentary can be a bit off as well, but Sky's production is so much better, especially than the zone. And BT last week I thought was horrendous for the most part. But anyway, Katie Taylor, if people didn't see it, she almost got knocked out. I think it was in the fourth round. You know, 
barely, barely kept up. She kind of kept up by pushing herself against Serrano. And Serrano almost held her up at one stage. And she kept going and going. But Serrano got tired from then. And they kept saying in the commentary, oh, Serrano's taking rounds off. And you could see as clear as day she was tired. And Katie Taylor won four rounds in a row then at the end. Uh, obviously, it was only a 10-round fight. So four, winning four rounds in a row, she all she had to do really <clears throat> was get two rounds before. And she got that on, uh, on two judges' cards, which I think she deserved. She definitely won the first. Um, in my opinion, and then one of the, the either the second or third, the first three were very close. Uh, but I thought Katie Taylor did enough. You know, it was, uh, you know, I, I, I obviously I'm not an expert in the boxing criteria or anything like that. But I, the fella they had on the commentary talking about, I was talking about the damage meaning more. And I don't, I didn't think Serrano landed that much damage. Honestly, she was landing shots, all right, but she was landing one shot, and Katie Taylor was landing like five or six, and I didn't notice a massive uh hurtful nature to her shots apart from the round where she almost knocked katie out so um you know some people are calling robbery and everything like that and i am massively biased i won't lie i didn't i didn't think i was but um wh- whichever katie it didn't matter katie taylor put on another epic display she's absolutely brilliant and if they don't bring her back to crow park and don't bring on a, a, a massive fight maybe the rematch now it's an absolute travesty. Like, honestly, I think the way Eddie Hearn has promoted her has been god-awful. And maybe this is the weirdest time of all to say it, considering she just had the biggest fight of all time in MSG. But up until now, like, it's tw- that was her 21st fight. Katie Taylor was a star in Ireland before she made her pro debut. And now, I know the, the issues we talked about Kidding and all and about putting on boxing. years before she made her pro debut. It, it, true, you know, true. But putting on boxing in Ireland has been hard and everything like that. But God Almighty, oh, to, 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 let it, <clears throat> to let it go 21 fights before she has this big, massive fight. I, I think I was talking to the, the lads and the, they did um, a preview show on Spaces last night. And honestly, it felt like America was more invested in Katie Taylor and Amanda Serrano and this bout than Ireland was. Now, we you had people from Ireland, obviously, and a lot of people were madly up for it in Ireland. But I think a lot of people, the fact it's on the zone, the fact it's on 3 o'clock in the morning obviously doesn't help, and we've seen that down through the years with McGregor fights and MMA and things. But I, I just feel like the way Eddie Hearn has kind of promoted her and take, the fact she's not on Sky anymore was a big, big issue. And maybe it'll change again because of that amazing bout and people will see it back. But... I just, I just think you like you had what McGregor, had, what, what uh, the, the UFC had with McGregor, but I think almost in a bigger way in terms of like Katie Taylor is universally loved, and you could have had something massive there with her, and you just don't in Ireland. Like you have someone who's still universally loved, who, who everyone has massive time for, but like, have you maximized the amount of money you and her have made off of that? I, I don't think you have, but however, maybe that's a conversation for, for a different day. But it should be a conversation for now if you're Katie Taylor and her representatives because she hasn't long left. You know, Katie Taylor's a few years ago, she would have blown Serrano out of the water altogether, I think. Katie Taylor's not the boxer she once was, and she still won, in my opinion. She's still absolutely brilliant, taking nothing away from her. But she's been a long time on the road. She's been boxing a long, 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 long time. She mightn't be the oldest in the world. Or she, you know, she's only 21 fights, but how many amateur fights does she have? She's been going for years and years and years and years. How many rounds? Yeah. <laughs> and she, I would have hoped one last big fight. I, I You know, sometimes we all. We always talk about retirements. We always talk about people going out too quickly and so. 
Katie Taylor is different and I know maybe we've I do anyway more of an emotional attachment to her and all and I don't want to see her getting hurt and I don't want to see her going too long and losing like have that one fight in Crow Park make a lot of money sail off into the sunset I would absolutely love to see that happening and uh, it, it'd be absolutely brilliant but um, do you think do you think her headlining against uh, like for example a rematch of this Serrano bout would be able to sell out yeah. or close to sell out Crow Park I think so yeah you do I, I definitely think so do you not think so no I don't know. It depends on how much, like, how much it costs people. I think, like, Irish people, you know, will, you know, for example, I don't know, three or four years ago or more, the Irish women's hockey team were doing okay in the World Cup or something. And everybody was into, you know, everybody was talking about, you know, everybody jumped on the bandwagon kind of thing. Katie Taylor when it actually comes, When it actually comes to pulling 80 euro out of your pocket, I don't know if, you know, 60,000 people are going to do that. Yeah. Well, it's a bit more than that. But look, when you're in a place like Grow Park, you can have different price tickets as well. I think, like, literally, they could sell tickets up the top for 30, 40 quid. I, I think, and I think they would do that as well. I think they had the tickets in Wembley and other places that they are cheaper. So, yeah, look, the tickets down low and stuff are going to be there. But I, like, I do. And especially as well, if it's, oh, this is Katie Taylor's retirement voices, this is our big homecoming, even. Uh, if you, you you know if you promote it the right way, which I think they probably would if they were doing that, I definitely think it would sell absolutely because but this it, might be the only opportunity. You know, I'm not a, uh, I'm definitely not a boxing guy or anything, but it seems like you know you're saying that this girl is one of the best in the world. Is close disputed decision. It seems like now, like now would be the time if they're going to do it in in the big stadium in Crow Park, yeah. for example. Now would be the time to do it because 100%. if if she rematches this girl and wins, then. Some other girl that people haven't really heard of, you know. I think it's it sounds like it's now or never, really. I agree. Yeah, I agree. They need to do it now. And if Eddie Hearn doesn't do it now, as I said, he's it's ineptitude of the highest order. It needs to be done. It's a great time as well, you know, with obviously the Kinahan stuff and everything like that. And he's out of the picture, and MTK is kind of gone. You know, keep all of those people who are still even part of that or are you know talking about being part of that. Keep all of them away from it. You know, you, you you only need to put on Katie Taylor versus Amanda Serrano. You don't need an undercard on this one, but uh, it'd be uh, it'd be absolutely epic. And you know, you could get some good Irish boxers on it as well. And you know, they put Katie Taylor on an undercard performance. She was an amateur. You could get Kelly Harrington on it as an amateur, and then the big bout. And you could get others as well. I'm sure it'd be, you know, it'd be epic. And let's uh, let's make it happen. We better talk about MMA. Or geez, we're halfway through the podcast, and we haven't uh, we haven't mentioned it yet. Um, we'll do a quick recap of last night. It wasn't the uh the, the most brilliant card in the world. No, no, the undercards are pretty good, and then we'll talk about UFC two seventy four as well, and some of the other mixed martial arts that went down. Uh, just a quick run through the undercard. Uh, Shane Young defeated uh, Gina Mazzani in the uh in the women's flyweight division. Lovely ground and pound, hitting the arms, but uh, a good stoppage there in that one. And Nathan Levy had some lovely head kicks uh, and then some lovely heel hooks as well. <laughs> Bit of wrestling in round three, uh, but Bernie came back uh, in uh, in the last round. He did a great job, but Levy hung on to win, and he goes seven and one. Uh, my God, my. Guy Spencer Kai was telling me he's not the best prospect in the world, but I like him. I think he's good. He can do it all, but still, he's getting on nice 30 years of age. He'll have to have a few fights pretty quickly. Uh, Gabe Green got a massive comeback against Johan Lanise. It was another one of these ones where Lanis was winning and winning and winning, and then he got really, really, really tired, and he, he wilted. Um... He, I still think he's a great prospect. I, I compared him to Sean Brady last night, and that quickly went uh, wrong, but 
that cardio was an issue. It was a real, real issue, and he ended up losing. I think because of the cardio for for uh, for a big part, but also you know Green pushed him, and uh, a great win for for Gabe Gabe Green there. Uh, Francisco Trinaldo in 125 pounds. He made very light work of Daniel De Silva. Uh, Figueredo. Fig- what did I say? Trinaldo. Ronaldo, Francisco Ronaldo, oh yeah, Figueredo, my, my apologies. Uh, Silva win for the takedown, they got a little bit of separa- separation, and then uh, Figgy win for the leg lock, and that was that, uh, basically a beautiful... Slick, uh, slick knee bar. Knee bar, yeah. knee bar. People, people want it, people want the knee bar. Um, then we had the biggest underdog in UFC history, Chase Sherman against Alexander Romanov. And uh, Chase Sherman does what Chase Sherman does here. Ali, look, <laughs> Romanov, tell me what you think it is, Chase. The, the final finish it is before I before I say it. What do you think? Uh, I think he just uh, gave up. Yeah, <laughs> I do too. That's the second fight in a row. He's just given up. But you know, you wouldn't blame him, I suppose, for giving up. It looked up like it one. was going one way. In fairness, but it was. He could have at least waited till it was properly on yeah. before he tapped. <laughs> That is that is exactly true. It's like the whole couple of seconds, and yeah. then you can make it look like uh, I'm stuck real, in this. Like, like, yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Pro wrestler would have done a better job of selling that one than he did. Yeah, it just wasn't even. It, it's not that it wasn't near being on, but it wasn't on when he tapped. And uh, you know, he was thirty-five to one for the first round KO, and I know a lot of people had it, but you know, he was. Uh, I think we all knew he was almost certainly going to lose. But Romanov. You know, we could look over this and, and look at what what we just said. But Romanov is a top top prospect in that division at sixteen and oh, and not even a prospect anymore. He's probably a contender now. He's probably going to be in the rankings. Um, you know, as we come up, and I think yeah, I think they were talking about his physicality as well improving. He looked good, didn't he? Yeah, he did, and he had his way, and you know, he did everything he had to do. But you know, there's a a lot better guys than Chase uh, Sherman in the UFC, and it'd be interesting to see him step up. You know, he's he's got he's you know he's been in the UFC kind of fighting middle middle of the road guys the last what four or five fights, and he's got the job done, and you know, one little split decision in there. So it's hard to it's hard to say how good he is when you know he didn't. He hasn't come up against much resistance yet. We haven't seen him in much uh, in much trouble against somebody who who you know is a is a well rounded guy. So it'd be interesting to see. But uh, yeah, beating up guys like Chase Sherman, who he made him quit. But as you said, Chase Sherman's kind of done it before. So you know you can't take too much away. But yeah, I'm interested to see you know him step up against somebody maybe low rankings or just outside the rankings. Yeah, I I would agree. I I. Uh... I tend to really believe in his skill set, but also when you get to the very top of that division, that that wrestling, I, it, it works very well sometimes, you know, as we saw with, with Francis and as we saw with uh, Stipe beating Francis as well back in the day. But I don't know, I think you need more than that. As, you know, Blades is a very, very good wrestler. He's been knocked out a good few times now, so it'll be very interesting to see if he can uh, translate his wrestling towards the top of the division. It'll be interesting, uh, as we say, for the, his next two or three fights to see where he goes. Um... Wrestling was certainly the winner in the next three fights in a row. Uh, Jocko defeated Mershart. Um, just all around a way better fighter. Yeah. I, like, I knew Jocko was a better fighter. Uh, one thing that kind of shocked me was people expecting for Mershart to beat Jocko on the ground. Uh, and, you know, they were saying in the commentary, and I saw a few other people talking that way as well. Just 
Jocko to me is a far superior grappler and he showed that here really didn't he yeah I think going into it I kind of added as Jotko being a little bit better everywhere and a lot better in some places and it kind of turned out that way uh, it looked earlier like he might he, he might get the finish but you know uh, Merchard is, is a tough guy and brings it but yeah he's just not really he's, he, he's not really that talented anywhere uh, I think he might be a little bit overrated um, you know Jocko's maybe not the, the best guy uh, in the division but he, he's he's a well-rounded guy who's no kind of gaping holes in his game and you know 20, 24 wins and only 5 losses yeah I think I think yeah I don't know why the commentators were, were expecting yeah. anything except what happened it was, yeah it was a bit weird but I don't know, Marshard is a good guy, but he's, you know, very much middle of the road. Whereas Jocko, you know, he's he's always been on the peripheries of that middleweight division in terms of the rankings, and I think he deserves to be. I think he's a good fighter. Now, will he get any higher than that? I don't think so either, but I don't think Marshard is, is yeah. that level. And Like, if you look at Marshard's wins, like, they're, they're just not that great. And, you know, he has, some, he has some losses against some good guys, but, yeah, I think, I don't know, I think maybe he's lucky to still be in the UFC. Yeah, at times, at times it's true. Uh, then we had Darren Hilkins out wrestling Tristan Connolly, uh, showing his skills. You know, sometimes Darren Hilkins does do this. He comes out there and uh, <clears throat> against guys who maybe aren't the best guys in the world, he uh, he beats them like this. Now, I picked Tristan Connolly coming in there and I was sorely wrong, but happily to be wrong as well, considering Mr. Elkins is part of Team Sheehan. Uh, and he put on a clinic here at wrestling, looked good. Tristan Connolly looked like he was going to make a bit of a comeback at one stage. But Elkins got his wrestling going again and and, and just beat him down, really. It was a, a very good win. Darren Elkins is one of those guys. Is he underrated? Are, are we, you know, are we uh, are we rating him enough just because of the, the madness of his uh, ability to take damage as well? But sometimes <clears throat> he can do this, can't he? Yeah, he can. Like, you know, in this fight again, it looked in the second round like he was getting tired. But if it was anybody else, you'd probably be like, oh, this is this is, this is is bad news. But with Elkins, we've seen it so many times. We've seen him grit his teeth and kind of just power forward and get the job done. And I think that's what he did here, you know. Uh, Connolly put up a decent, decent fight. Didn't really, I don't know, didn't really capitalise on uh, a few moments that maybe he could have. But Elkins is so tough, you know. We've seen it so many, so many times. And the question of whether he's overrated, maybe... <sighs> Maybe he was overrated at, at one stage uh, in his career, but I think he's developed as a fighter over the last few years, um, maybe five or six years, and has become a, a bit uh, like you know a, a very good contender, very good kind of uh, st- proving uh, proving fight uh, for a top contender. If you if you can beat Elkins, you you, you know you're really good. So uh, yeah, he's probably you know in terms of hardcores, maybe he's. Um, He's a bit more respected than than if you if you were watching him as a as a as a outsider kind of casual. Sorry, I couldn't think of the word. As a casual, you you might think, oh, he's a bit sloppy or things like this, or or he was lucky in that fight. But when you know, kind of that's his game and that's what he's doing. He's kind of looking to get down and dirty. Then it kind of uh, it makes more sense. So yeah, I think you know he's a great guy to have around. Obviously, he's been in some ridiculous fights over over the years and. He's he's his game as anybody, and he's always exciting to watch. And I still look forward to to watching him fight. Me too. I, I love that nickname as well, Down and Dirty Darren Elkins. What about that? Yeah, imagine but he got the the, the damage the damage, the damage on his yeah. front. He can get down and dirty on his back. <laughs> so, imagine uh, Joe Martinez and uh, Darren Dirty Darren Elkins. 
be brilliant. Yeah, absolutely. Down and dirty, Darren Elkin. I lo- that's a fucking great nickname. Jesus Christ. Well, that's fantastic. The damage uh, is already quite good, though, for, for what he is. The, the tattoo as well makes He's it. He's pretty committed to it now <laughs> with the tattoo, of course. Ara, you could get you could get that remade into down down and dirty. Just just go from the D down, it'll be fine. Uh, Grant Dawson, then he's moved camp as well, which I was surprised to to hear. He seemed like he was so close, so close to James Kraus. Even um, he's moved to ATT now, which you know might be a good mood for him. He looked good here. Still, and all though, it, it was one of those fights when you're you're a guy and you're eighteen and one in your career. And you're fighting uh, Jared Gordon, who's a very good fighter and a tough game fighter. It's one of those ones that I think if you are that top prospect, fighting against someone like Gordon might make you look good, especially when you're, you know, 19 uh, fights into your career. Maybe if it was 8 and 1 or something like that, I, I would be saying something different. But um, still in all, look, it wasn't a blow away performance. He did dominate him and he did end up getting the finish. And I think the finish made it look an awful lot better. You could see it by Dawson himself. He was a little bit disappointed with his performance at the end of it. And, you know, that's that's a winner right there, to be fair. So I'm looking forward to seeing where he goes after that. He has all the tools. Like, he he's a very good wrestler. He can get finishes. I think his striking is improving as well. As we've seen in the past, he's tough as hell. Looks like his cardio is getting a bit better as well. And that's a that's a big part of it. It was very interesting as well. Bisping was talking about um, how cardio is a massive thing, especially when all else is even. And it's funny, myself and Harry did a speaker's corner on that not too long ago. Not necessarily on car- cardio, but on like toughness. And I think, you know, cardio is part of that as well. You look, you look even tougher if you can keep going in the third round. But I think that's going to be a big factor in fighting going forward in the next few years because MMA uh, ability shall we say is getting closer and closer and closer and better and better and better in lots of different ways now there'll always be outliers but when, when that is even the toughest guy will win that fight the guy with the better cardio will win that fight the guy who's going longer towards the end is going to win that fight and uh, you know guys like Elkins who are coming up and they have the same ability maybe as a guy like, say, we're looking at Feely higher up this card or someone like that. The guys who are tougher will win those fights as we go forward and it may, might be a little bit of a comeback to the hard-nosed lads of, uh, of years gone past. Like, this is this is another one of my proc- proclamations, like, jiu-jitsu doesn't work in MMA and then, conversely, jiu-jitsu coming back into MMA. I think tough lads, animals, are going to make a comeback in MMA and we will see animals as yeah. well as the kind of everybody gets more well-rounded everybody kind of you know uh, learns how to defend the the, the uh, like like what happened to jiu-jitsu basically over the years everybody learns how to defend the basic kind of maneuvers and it became really difficult to get them you know I think toughness you might be right toughness might come into it as everybody kind of gets more well-rounded and the fights get closer and but also you know uh, it's it's hard to tell, you know. Uh, somebody like Grant Dawson against Jared against Jared Gordon, a fight for him that you know, as you said, wasn't the best. Maybe looks better on paper than it was, but for him as a twenty eight year old, eighteen and one, it's a very good learning fight for him as well. So, uh, yeah, I think you know, it's it's not really the best performance, but it's good to get back in the win column after that kind of majority draw decision, and uh, he still still has a lot of promise. But uh, yeah. Yeah, indeed. Uh, Janderson Brito then knocked out Andre Tocchifiri uh, in 41 seconds uh, through a big right hand, landed a few shots of ground him on. I thought Herb Dean did a great job here, fair play to him, with the stoppage. He gave Feely a chance 
He almost kind of gave him a second chance, but then uh, Brito landed one uh, hammer fist on the ground. It looked like Feely was kind of, uh, not necessarily his eyes rolling back, but he wasn't intelligently defending himself, and he came in and he stopped. And, you know, a big win for Brito, but Feely, you know, he hasn't fought that much in recent times. Uh, and another kind of big loss for him here, maybe against a name that you wouldn't expect him to lose against, although Brito is a good fighter, but, yeah, it's a, it's a tough one. Uh, a tough one for Feely, and uh, we'll we'll see what he does the next time because it, you know another loss, and it might be uh, it might be out of the UFC for Feely. Unfortunately, after he's looking a good prospect there for a while, and they were even talking about his last fight where he was winning, uh, and it went to was it a no contest? So you know, interesting times. We'll, we'll see where that goes. Um, the most controversial fight of the night probably was Andrei Arlovsky versus Jake Collier in terms yeah. of judging. A lot of people were giving out about it. Uh, Look, I thought the second and third rounds were extremely close. I think uh, all three judges and most people gave the first round to Jake Collier. Uh, there was lots of head clashes throughout this fight over and over, and it kept kind of stopping, and it kept looking a bit weird. Um, Arlovsky came back into it, though, in the second and the third. I thought both were, like, really close. I gave him both I thought the Collier. second was really close, yeah. but I thought the third was Collier, to be honest. Uh, Arlovsky, yeah, I could see it for Arlovsky in the second round. Um but in the third round, I think it's a bit of a stretch, to be honest. I don't know. I, I thought it was very close. Like, I thought Arlovsky was landing kind of the better shots throughout, and then uh, Collier kind of came back and he landed. I, I didn't think there was much in it, to be honest, throughout, throughout those second and third. I, like, as I said, I gave all three rounds to Collier, don't get me wrong, but I don't think it's a robbery or anything like that. Do you think it's a robbery? Do you um, I think it's close enough that it's not a it's not a robbery. I think I I would have given I would have given the fight to Collier, but I don't think it's anything outrageous. But uh, yeah, I think the wrong decision. Uh, it was the wrong decision in the end. I thought it should have been twenty nine, twenty eight for Collier. Yeah, I had a, I had a thirty twenty seven. Yeah, well, it was one of those ones at the end of it. I knew there'd be like massive backlash and everything from people that you know don't really understand the close rounds. The close rounds, like even, okay, the, the second round, absolutely, you know, definitely close. We all agree with that. That third, I don't know, the third round in, in the heavyweight division as well, especially when Collier is like looking kind of more tired and tired and Arlovsky is throwing those straight rights down in the middle. A, a lot of the Collier shots as well. And it's a very interesting thing when we're talking about effective striking because he, the more tired he looks when he's throwing his strikes, it almost looks like the effect on them is less uh, that Arlovsky is absorbing because the way Collier is kind of throwing him and he's kind of whiffing on these shots, landing maybe on Arlovsky and a, uh, a shot that might score heavier in the first round doesn't score as heavy in the third because the judges are looking at it and they're looking how tired Collier is and maybe it not having an effect on Arlovsky. You know, even if it didn't have an effect in the first, it doesn't have an effect in the third either. But the way it's being thrown maybe looks a little bit effective as well. And I think that helps someone like Arlovsky. Like, you know, we know about Collier fighting on a 185 and putting on fucking Sean Sheehan amount of weight to get back up to, to 265. And he's cutting down as well to make that. I don't think that helps him in the third rounds of fights. And I think that might have been something that kind of played against him here. Like, we were talking about effect, especially in these close start to rounds, and the effectiveness of those strikes when you look that tired won't score as high than if you kind of don't look tired which is maybe an odd thing and maybe very much inside sort of uh, judging uh, but you know I think uh, I think that might have played a part in it but as I said I still gave it to Collier and I do, I, look I do think the wrong guy won I, I, I think Collier won but by no means uh, 
I, I wouldn't say a robbery, but you know me, I'm Shawnee, Shawnee judges anyway, so I, I wouldn't say anything bad against them, but I, I would head if they were. Head of the judges' union. Head of the judges' union. They need to start paying me a salary, like, at this stage, for fuck's sake. Um, speaking of fucking judging, Marlon Vera and Rob Font might have been the best fight of all time to talk about damage in fights, because we had... F- ah, no, Sean, did you not hear about the significant strikes? Oh, what? sorry, t- tell me tell me the stats, Graham. Oh, I, uh, <laughs> it was a record for the, the differential in significant strikes. Was it? That's... <laughs> quote, that's, quote, significant. Yeah, 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 that's mad. I actually have the uh, the numbers here. Let me Give me one second, I'll just, uh, I'll just pull them up. So, uh, total significant strikes in this fight, right? Rob Font, 273. Marlon Vera, 167. So there was 106 strikes more landed by the guy who lost clearly on everyone's card. Isn't that funny? Not funny the way that was. And significant strikes, Graham. You wanted significant strikes? 199 for Rob Font, 95 for Cheeto Vera. So. 104 significant strikes more landed by the guy uh, by the guy who clearly lost. Isn't that something? Now, how does that work? How does that? John, John, I'm round for <laughs> right round by round. Okay, round one, Vera. Uh, um, we forget about round one. Round two, well, font one, font one, font one, round one. Fair enough. Round two, uh, Vera one, 27, Vera 51 for font. Round three, 37 for Vera. 71 for Font, the guy who lost. 36 for Vera in round four. Guy who lost, um, 36. 42 for the guy who, uh, sorry, the guy who lost. 36 for the guy who won. And then 33 for the guy who lost versus, no, sorry, for the guy who won. Versus 50. 50 versus 33. So all four rounds, he was badly, badly, badly. Nearly uh, finished. (laughs) Outdone. But one on, uh, so four rounds, three judges, that's 12 rounds. On 11 of those judges' cards, the guy who was significantly outlanded won. Please. I, I no, need, no need to speak, no need to speak to go full Jose Mourinho here. This is a fact. You can't deny it anymore. The damage won the rounds. All of, and I, I, it was actually the second round. And I was when I saw the card, it was on. I wonder which round it was, and I knew it would be the second round because that knockdown late in the second round, it looked a bit weird. And I, I think from a judging point of view, if you're looking at it, if you're maybe at a wrong angle, it's a harder one to see. But the rest of them, it was. Uh, I don't know that first one. He kind of his legs dragging, his head went down as if he's going to fall forward for yeah, a second. But then he kind of so, went for yeah, the legs. He kind of caught himself. Yeah. Yeah, it was. It was definitely another one. I, I look. I think it was a knockdown. I think it was a very hard shot, and absolutely, I think uh, Marlon Vera won the the round, and you know because of it. But it was one of those ones. That if you're at the wrong side of the cage, if you don't just catch it right, if you don't see it, it's one maybe you know could be a slip. It could be you know he goes for a takedown attempt in very quickly. He played it off a little bit. Now two of the three judges got it right and gave that round to him but I, you know you couldn't criticise the judge for barely missing that at all and they got all the rest of them right 11 out of 12 for the guy who landed the more damage please 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 believe me it's no you don't have to believe me anymore you can see it the fucking judges did it this was this is an example I'm going to have to write down and keep forever because this is the perfect example of how judging is done and it was it was brilliant but anyway we forget about the judging let's talk about Cheeto Vera because I pick Font coming in here. You pick Font. Yeah. All the lads in the preview show pick Font. And what a fucking performance. Uh, look, even 
okay, Font won most of the fight, if you want to put it that way, and landed most of More the strikes. Minutes, yeah. But still, I thought Vera was even doing well when he was being outlanded. I liked... Uh, I thought he was being more varied than he had been before. It wasn't kind of just headless pressure. He was throwing the left hand. He was landing some nice shots, and he was biding his time to land that big shot, and he ended up uh, doing it. Now, I'd even be saying that if he had lost and he hadn't landed those big shots from the even the first round where he where he lost it. I, I thought I thought he looked much improved, and I thought he was a better fighter than than I had given him credit for before. And you know, even maybe beating Frankie Edgar in that last fight, it, you know, it's not Frankie anymore, but. It, it might have given him that bit of uh, confidence to believe that he can beat guys at that level. And by God, did he show it in this one. He showed confidence in his power as well, and, and it went well. Uh, terrific performance uh, from, from Vera. He he kind of made us all look super great, didn't he? Yeah, it was absolutely brilliant performance by him. Uh, he stayed patient as well. You know, he, he, he can get wild sometimes. There was a, I think it was one knockdown, was it the third round? Where he, uh, I can't remember which round it was, where he kind of let Font recover on his back for basically you know, like a minute and a half, nearly yeah, a long time. The that, yeah. that was that was uh, that was bad, uh, in my opinion. He he should have let him stand up straight away, or he should have went in and tried to yeah. try to finish it. Uh, that that could have ended up costing him. Like if if you know if Font had made a comeback or. If if you know uh, things had gone differently, but you know besides that, I think it was a, nearly a flawless performance from him. Um, absolutely brilliant, uh, as, as you said. I expected uh, kind of everybody um, who I was talking to expected uh, Font to kind of go out there and just kind of outland them and maybe stay quite safe and he just wasn't able to do that Vera was able to find his shots and yeah it was a you know as you mentioned he's beaten Frankie Yeager before but it wasn't it isn't the Frankie Yeager that maybe everybody remembers but I think this is the biggest win of Vera's career uh, brilliant like you know if he can if he can fight at this performance uh, level in going forward then he's a problem for anybody in the division but with Vera, I think maybe he might be one of those guys that maybe is a little bit consistent, but inconsistent. But maybe, as you said, maybe that Frankie Edgar fight and this fight will give him the confidence to show, here I am a top guy and I can compete with everybody. And that's a huge thing. Like, I think we talk about the mental game a little bit, but it, the mental game in MMA is, is, is massively underrated and, you know, um, confidence is huge. Yeah, absolutely, and uh, it just it just felt like that, you know. It felt Even like, in the fight, you could see him growing yeah, in confidence. I mean, yeah, yeah, just what I said. It felt like he you could see him believing more as the fight went on, and it it wasn't as if it all went uh, his own way or anything like that. Like Font won that first round, and I thought won it pretty well. It looked good. He was he was dominating, really landing jab, jabs, and his boxing looked very good. Landing those uppercuts over and over, and they were saying in the commentary, you know, if he lands one of them in the right place, uh, it could be curtains. And you know, the second round started. That way as well. Now Cheetah did do better in the second round. He was landing leg kicks as well early, which were uh, were very very good. But yeah, he did better in that in that second round. But then that big uh, knockdown with the left hook for Cheetah won that second round for me. The third round, Font got a takedown early. It was smart. Got his wits about him a little bit more as well. Landing. Um, uh, Cheetah was landing a lot more but Font was landing too and in the knee nearly finished Font towards the end of the third round survived again so the damage winning that one again again in the fourth round Font was winning well and doing doing a great job but in Vera landed that, that old sweet chin music a beautiful uh, hook kind of kick to the face that was the one where maybe he didn't capitalise on it as much in the fourth round uh, but still I think that was enough to win it the fifth I uh, 
the fifth round was an interesting one because there was that late shot again that won him the round, you know, the same four rounds in a row. I actually thought Vera was winning this round up until then. I thought he was landing the more significant strikes and kind of running the, the fight. Uh, but I thought, look, it was very close. If Fonted landed one or two, I could have given it to him. Um, but Vera, look, obviously won the, the round with that late strike again. So, you know, we, we you talk, you hear it all the time in MMA and the Collier one, Dominic Cruz went with the leg takedown, wins the round, you know, on the end oh, of the third. Yeah. Now, maybe he won the round. I gave him the round, but he did fucking it late takedown. because of that, yeah. Certainly didn't win him the round. A late knockdown can you win you around, especially, you know, if it's very close, it can win you around. But even when it's not close, it, it can win you around as well because that, you know, it's the immediate impact over the cumulative. And when it's a massive knockdown, the way that Cheeto Vera knocked him down, those score, and it's not me saying it, this happened last night. So, um, brilliant, brilliant judging, brilliant fights. Both guys fought well, honestly. <laughs> you know, Fun fought very well as well. It was just, he was unlucky. He, I, I, I look, he, I was just going to say he was unlucky. He came up with a guy with such durability. I don't think I've ever seen someone as durable as Cheeto Vera. He had no mark on him. Like, he was like he wasn't touched. He, he was in the fifth round, and he was, how many? 199 significant strikes. And some of them were fucking significant strikes. He landed, he clattered him there with a few strikes. Yeah. And it was well, sometimes like the flush ones are the ones, the ones that's kind of glance off you, the ones that cut you up, and the yeah. ones that land flush kind of, they rattle your brain, but they don't they don't show on the face. Yeah. Either way, what your ability, insane, unbelievable cardio as well. And I, uh, to be fair, I, it was always going to be one of those fights where could Font get him out of there? Could he keep it up for five rounds? And you know what? He did keep it up for at least four rounds anyway, but he still lost. So when I say both guys fought well, I, I genuinely mean that. Like, he, Font fought yeah, Font did well fight. to survive, like, yeah, yeah. three times. <laughs> yeah, four times, nearly. And, and, but one uh, of them, I think, was yeah, at the end of the round, he, I think he was, yeah. yeah but. Every time he came back as well and was winning the next round, like, so it was, well, it was a brilliant performance from Font, honestly, and, but Vera was just, uh, he was different. Like, Font is probably a level above Vera in lots of different ways, but that insane durability and that power and game planning as well was fantastic. And uh, yeah, it was a, it was a brilliant win and a brilliant fight. I, I think one of the fights of the year. Like sometimes we look and people last night uh, they were talking, you know, the hundred fight nights and they were talking about Cater versus um, Holloway. And that was one of those ones that was like what fifty forty three or one of them. That was a, a beating from one side a great beating one of the greatest performances we've ever seen but this was a great performance from both guys in a close fight the whole way through now I scored it 4-1 but it's still it's it's a close fight and it was a great fight this is the sort of fight that I like that's you know nip and talk not just a one way beat down and uh, I, I think this should be a contender at the end of the year for fight year probably won't win it we've had some great fights but I think it should be up there I really really enjoyed it right uh, let's move on um We'll, we'll quickly have a look back at the, the PFL from uh, from this week as well. Uh, there's some good wins for Shaman Morais. The uh, women's... Um, sorry, the women's are starting next week, the £155 tournament. The £145 min started this week. Alejandro Flores got a win in that division, as did uh, Bubba Jenkins. Clinton Abreu won in the heavyweight division. That Bubba Jenkins fight, he won the first two rounds against Kyle Boschniak, then got his eye closed in the third, so it'll be interesting to see if that's healed up uh, by the time the, the next round comes around in a few weeks' time. Ante Deja does what he does again, does a bit of wrestling, does a bit of striking, knocked out Matthias Scheffel, who went down... 
very oddly in one of his knockdowns. He looks like a guy who's kind of never sparred in his life before. It was very odd. But, uh, you know, a good win for Deja there. Dennis Gostelov as well, who's a two-time semi-finalist in PFL. Got another win against Cody Goodell. A Hinnan Fahea. This is the guy people need to be looking out for on the way up. He beat Verdum last year. Now he beat Jamal Jones. with uh, He threw a front kick and then he threw a second front kick and Joels wasn't expecting it to come and he knocked him out with a, a, um, a shin to the face. A brilliant knockout from Hinnan Fahea. Um, I'll get to Brendan Ocknan in a second week. Chris Wade dominated Lance Palmer. Looks like Lance Palmer maybe coming towards the end of his uh, powers after being a two-time million-dollar check winner there. Um, and Bruno Capeloza, my guy, one of Team Sheehan. Uh, he got the win over Stuart Austin. Stuart Austin, who has a win over Tom Aspinall, interestingly enough. Uh, but uh, Capeloza just tied with him here, ended up grounding and pounding him out. But the Brendan Lachnan fight, Graham, very interesting fight. Um, I like Kudo coming in. He's a, he's a good fighter, and he showed that. He knocked Lachnan down hard early in that first round. Lachnan did a great job of, of holding on, surviving. It looked like I thought he was finished there, honestly, but he kept going. Um won the second round for me a very close round I thought Kudo started it well Go on, what did I you think he, he yeah, it was a close round up until the, the last few seconds of the round when yeah. Lachnan kind of took over and made sure the round uh, in the nick of time you know it was it was a really close round up until, up until the last kind of few seconds yeah indeed uh, yeah I, I, I would tend to agree with that yeah he landed that knockdown it was like a, le- a left hook of memory I've watched so many fights uh, and it was one of those ones that I wasn't sure if it was a knockdown or wasn't a knockdown and Kudo he was definitely landed stunned anyway yeah, I thought he was I think, stunned yeah, yeah. Yeah. definitely on replay looked like a good job by the judges there but uh, then there was an awful clash of heads in the third round uh, three minutes in and before that lockdown had been getting takedown after takedown after takedown not landed massive shots or anything like that but you know judging the round at that point there was no way you could give it to Kudo you had to give that third round to Lachnan so uh, went to a technical decision due to a, a horrendous cut on Kudo's head no one's fault absolutely a, a clash a clash of heads it wasn't a headbutt or anything like that Kudo won the first round due to the big knockdown very close second round which as we both kind of said there we thought Lachnan won later I, I'll throw it to you Graham see if he did and in the third round Lachnan had to win it uh, like it, this one is one of those ones that feels a bit weird because you're scoring only three minutes uh, of the third round but that's the way the rules are and you know that's the way it is and maybe it needs to be adjusted but under the rules I think Lachnan was the worthy winner here 29-28 even though Kuda won most of the fight but uh yeah, great look, great job by Lachnan to come back. Grabaki Hitman suggested a rematch uh, later on in the year. I like that. You know, I think that'd be a good idea. Lachnan injured as well. I think his manager Malki Kawa put it up. He was carrying a serious injury. He was wearing two knee braces, and he kind of looked yeah. like it. But uh, I was going to mention that. Yeah, he had two knee braces on, which is which is rare to see. Sometimes it's you're trying to disguise which knee is injured or maybe both knees are injured. So uh, that's, that's never a good thing, you know. Uh, but he, it looked like, you know, things were going very badly for him. As you mentioned, it looked at one stage like he was about to be finished. He did just enough to survive. He showed his toughness again. You know, kudo in fairness to him. Kudos to him. Um, he... he, he um, he put on a really good showing, you know. He's he's fighting a very experienced guy who's fought fought a lot of tough guys over a lot of years in Brendan Lachnan, and he, he he looked really good. And he'll be very disappointed with how the the fight ended. Obviously, as you said, it was it wasn't a head, but it was a, a clash of heads. It was kind of both of their faults, or neither neither the guys' fault, or both of their fault, in my opinion. Um, so uh, yeah, it, it does seem a bit strange when you're scoring a, a, a three minute round, but as you said, that's the rules, and yeah, um. 
maybe kudo if he hadn't known if he hadn't known uh, it was going to a decision maybe it would have been better to, to try and say your grand and continue on but it was a it was a sizable cup but I don't know if it was going to go into the eyes but it's an unfortunate situation Brendan didn't look too too pleased after even getting the win progressing but yeah these things happen sometimes in MMA Indeed, 100%. Um, there's another PFL next week and all their big stars uh, are back. Uh, the card is headlined by Kayla Harrison against Marina Makachina, who uh, is a good sambo stylist and is good and strong in the clinch. But you'll have to be unbelievable in the clinch, I think, to beat Kayla Harrison. Ray Cooper, the third, is back, the two-time champion. He's fighting Magomed Umalatov. Rory McDonald is fighting Brett Cooper. Magomed, Magomed Kerimov is fighting Joe Zeferino, which is a very interesting fight to me. Zeferino is, uh, is a dinger on the ground, as is uh, Magomed Kerimov. So that'll be interesting. Uh, Gina Fabian is fighting Julia Budd uh, in her debut in the tournament here for PFL. And, you know, Julia Budd versus Kayla Harrison is a fight I think everyone will want to see this year. So hopefully that happens. Uh, Sadabu C is rematching Nikolai uh, Alsakin. Uh, that fight in the uh, in a no contest last season, I believe, in a very close fight. So that one's gone down again. Glesson T. Bow is back. He's fighting Al Shlawi, who fought in Cage Warriors back in the day. He's been around for a long time. Abigail Montes, who beat Claressa Shields last time out. She's fighting uh, Olena Kolesnik. And uh, there's a couple of other fights as well. But the biggest one for Irish fans especially, and another one of the PFL stars, uh, Showtime Anthony Pettis is taking on the magic man Miles Price. Um, Graham, a big fight for Miles Price, isn't it? He, looking at his record, it's it's actually crazy. I was I was doing the PFL preview, and it'll be out uh, this week on on Sherdog. Miles Price, right? He's fought Peter Quilly in 2019, so that's over three years ago at this stage. Then he fought Norman Parker in 2018, and he fought Phil Rayburn only a month before that. But then before that, it was 2016. He fought Mario Syed. 2015, he fought Kay Musa, and 2013, he had a good few fights. So in the last what eight years, he's only had one, two, three, four, five fights in eight, nine years. Five fights in nine years for Miles Price. That's a bit crazy, to be fair. He was due to fight loads of guys as well and fights have fallen out and everything like that. But uh, it's good to see Miles back. And if he can produce uh, like he did against Peter Queeley in his last time, he's a chance here against Pettis. What, what do you think? Yeah, I think Miles is kind of a guy who's been around for a long time and maybe, uh, I can't remember some of his early fights, uh, looking at them now on, the, on his record, but I think he's a guy who kind of fights close to the level of the guy he's fighting. Um, so, you know, Anthony Pettis is definitely, we've talked about it before, there's definitely a blue, blueprint there to beat him and I'm sure Miles Price won't be won't be messing around. Uh, this is a huge, huge opportunity for for Miles Price. So, you know, you mentioned Norman Park and Peter Queeley. They're big fights. There, you know, it's a huge win over Peter Queeley. But Anthony Pettis, former UFC champion, you know, everybody knows him. The Showtime kick, all that stuff. This is, you know, for Anthony Pettis, this is just uh, another fight. But for for Miles Price, this is this is huge. And I think you know he was over in Habib's camp uh, before, uh, you know, working on wrestling and stuff like that. And, if he can go in and take Pettis down and frustrate him and, you know, see how much Pettis actually wants this, you know, did, did, yeah. would I be that surprised if that happened and Miles Price wins? I wouldn't, but I also wouldn't be surprised if Pettis, you know, lands something big and finishes him. So, yeah, I think Pettis is definitely the favourite here, but if Miles Price come, comes in with a good game plan and can execute it and can frustrate Pettis and put him on his back, then, you know, we've seen it before many times. 
indeed and you have to watch out for Pettis' submissions as well if he does take it on because we know how good absolutely you know, we can talk about the striking but I think uh, I don't know if it's still now but uh, recently yeah. enough it was that he had more some submission finishes than he did uh, still does, I, think, yeah, yeah. He, I don't think he's got a win since then to be honest he keeps losing but, <laughs> yeah yeah, yeah um, yeah, it'll be an interesting one. Look, it'll be interesting to see where Miles is. You you can't take three years out of the cage and for it not to matter. Like so, uh, he he's been over. At least he was in camps, though. You know, yeah. he was meant to, he was meant to fight Alfie Davis. Uh, so I know that was that was uh, what a couple of years ago now as well. But yeah, it's not ideal no. coming in against Anthony Pettis uh, having having, <laughs> yeah. having not fought since bit of a warm up fight or something. <laughs> three years, <laughs> over three years ago. Yeah. But if he can look, if he can. Produce the same performance he did against Peter Queeley with that amount of wrestling. He absolutely has a chance. Look, Pettis will be a big favorite, I'm sure, coming in here, uh, and and rightly so against you know against a guy who hasn't fought in that amount of time and who you know okay he has a win over um, a uh, Bellator lightweight contender I suppose in Peter Queeley who beat Patricio sorry Patricky and things that win just kind of looks better and better all the time but um. It's a massive opportunity for him here. Would it be, apart from McGregor, would it be the biggest win ever for an Irish MMA fighter if Miles Price beats Anthony Bettis? Have to be up there, I would say. Yeah, it's up there. Like you'd have to put Peter Creeley and beating Pitbull up there as well. Um, yeah, it would be huge. You know, Anthony Pettis, he may not be at the the height of his powers, but he's still a very dangerous guy, and he's he's still well respected. He's still well known, and yeah, this this would this would. Like Miles Price, kind of a flying under the radar. He's been around for a long time, but he, as you said, he's been kind of, you know, in and out. He's been taking big kind of gaps, and he wasn't around kind of at the explosion of Irish MMA a few year, a few years ago. So he's definitely flying under the radar. But if if he goes out here and you know puts on a really good performance, and if he can get the win here, he's definitely really announcing himself, and it will be an absolutely massive win, and it will definitely be up there with a. Uh, with the biggest wins in Irish MMA outside of outside of Connor, obviously, one hundred percent. Right, let's look ahead to the cards next week uh, after the PFL. Uh, Bellator returned to France. Uh, the heavyweight title is on the line. Czech Congo versus Ryan Bader. They fought once before and it ended via no contest with Bader dominating that one. Uh, you probably fancy Bader again here. Uh, I I would say I'll, you know he looked kick no contest could be a could be a runner as well like some kind <laughs> yeah, of you'd never you'd never no shot from Chekanga <laughs> probably yeah indeed uh, Yoel Romero is now fighting Alex Polizzi, uh Mal- Melvin Manhoof I believe with a cut uh, unconfirmed but he's out of that fight so it'll be interesting to see Yoel back Eve Landu had that massive uh, flying knee knockout of Terry Brazier he's fighting Gavin Hughes I'd fancy him in that one as well Sarton back against Charlie Leary I love that fight. I think it's a, it's a very, very good fight. Uh, Lorenz Larkin is on the card against Kyle Stewart. Mike Shipman against Gregory Babin. Lou Long against uh, Thibaut Goatee. You know, uh, the, actually, the Nicolas Saloli fight is, is off, I believe. I don't know if that's breaking news or not. Um, Pedro Carvalho, as well, is on this card. And it's a very good fight, Graham, yeah. against uh, Peter and Idiot. I watched a bit of it's, him. They're very similar it's fighters. A, it's a very good fight a very tough fight but for you know for Carvalho it's kind of a, a thankless fight you know he's just after yeah. beating beating Daniel Weichel best performance of his career biggest win of his career and instead of getting a kind of big name he's, he's got a really tough guy who isn't a big name so yeah this is a, a tough fight but yeah he's he's not afraid of a tough fight as uh, Pedro yeah buried on the undercard here out in France it was, it's a bit of a bizarre one <laughs> yeah. after it was like a uh. almost a star making performance the last time and the way he spoke to the media afterwards and he got the acclaim of the crowd and everything it was a, it's a bit bizarre to see him here but uh 
this is going to be fight at night. I I watched I do my preview later on in the week for uh for this for Sherdog and I watched some Nidietsky. This guy is as I said, I said very similar to Carvalho. He comes forward, throws big shots. This is going to be a fucking war. Look, it'll either be someone getting knocked out quick or it'll be three rounds of the two lads battering the fucking heads off each other. Now, uh, Peter can say each guy will be, be hitting the knee at some stage. Yeah, uh, <laughs> definitely, probably. It's a uh, that's a fantastic fight. It should be. It should be higher up for me. But anyway, um, uh, did you fancy better to be Congo? Yeah, I think so. Um, you know, Congo, he's just not that great. I don't think he was ever that great in the the division as. Um, or the the game has kind of evolved and he hasn't evolved with it. Bader is obviously on the the tail end of his career. He's definitely not at the height of his powers, but I think at heavyweight he looks better than he does at two oh five and I expect him to either knock out or dominate this this uh knock out Chicago or dominate this uh this fight from pretty much bell to bell. But yeah. some another outcome will be some kind of no contest involving Jack Congo eye poking or knee, kneeing in the balls or mm-hmm. grabbing shorts or something along those lines Better hasn't looked amazing recently like he looked better at heavyweight but at light heavyweight he's looked like badly outmatched a, a few times recently and I don't know maybe if Congo can kind of put a little bit of a pace on him here early uh, it could work out well for him, but if he doesn't, he's probably going to get taken down over and over and beaten. Uh, but Congo's a few takedowns, I'll yeah, I would, I would definitely favour Bader. But if I was in Congo's corner, I'd be telling him come out strong and fast and throw big shots at Bader uh, and and try to land. And him. Congo's been, you know, besides that split decision lost to Tim Johnson, he's been on a hell of a streak since losing Unreal, to, yeah. to King Mo. But yeah, um, I think Bader should have enough here. It's just this the style matchup. Bader's wrestling is better than Congo's I doubt Congo's going to be able to hold him up against the fence for long periods like he likes to do um, yeah I think he's a little bit uh, trigger shy these days Congo is and you know if if Bader comes out looking looking kind of uh, finished like you know he's 38 years old he's been in a lot of big fights he's he's you know taking a lot of damage if it could, it could, it could be Congo, but I, I'd be surprised to be honest. It would be more if Congo is winning. I think it's more an indictment on on where Bader is. I oh yeah, I would tend to agree, but you know, not that. I usually say, oh, looking forward to, not really looking forward to that one. I'm looking forward to some of the undercard fights, but uh, not necessarily the main event. What I am looking forward to though is UFC two seven four. Uh, a brilliant card. I just looking here. I never even noticed Andre Filo is taking a shot in all this fight. Uh, he's back after his win a couple of weeks ago. He's fighting Cameron Van Camp. Uh, Lupi Godinez is back again. She's fighting Ariana Canaloza. Uh, Francisco Trinaldo, who I accidentally mentioned earlier, he's fighting Danny Roberts on this card. Uh, Bogoy Ivanov is back against uh, Delima. Your boy Brandon Rival Graham. Who's he fighting? Just see who Brandon Rival is fighting. Just see. Is he? Have you oh, sorry, I was muted there. Yeah, go on. <laughs> oh, Matt Snell. Can't you smell Matt the Matt Snell? Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, what a fight. I can't wait for Matt Snell just so I can hear that song. And, uh... <laughs> Hopefully one day he'll he'll walk out to Leonard Skinner with that smell. <laughs> you need to do He actually follows me. I'll DM him. I go, here, Matt, I'll go to this. Uh, yeah. We have a, a women's featherweight fight on the card, Graham. Macy Chason versus Norma DeMont. I thought Norma DeMont retired. Uh, maybe I'm gone mad, but um, she wins that. She'd probably be fighting for a title, maybe. Uh, Chaos Williams or Andy Brown. Donald Cerrone against Joe Lozon. That would have been a fight everyone would have been gassed about a few years ago, but uh, both of them maybe a retirement fight for both of them here. But I'm looking forward to that. I think 
think Cerrone should probably win, but he's back down to 155. He doesn't like getting back down to 155. Um, yeah, I think he sh- uh, yeah, Cerrone, surely. I know he's he's not the, the fighter he once was. He's been in a lot of fights that over, you know, taken a lot of damage and been very... Um, he's been very up and down, but I think, you know, compared to Joe Lozon, I think Joe Lozon's fallen off a cliff more. I think Cerrone should be able to strike him up here uh, early and probably probably put him away. But with Don Cerrone, you just never know. You just never know which Cerrone's gonna gonna turn up. But this fight isn't the isn't the biggest pressure fight, but it should be okay. But you know things go on in people's heads, and Cerrone's made no secret of kind of he doesn't know what kind of state he's gonna be in until he arrives at the arena. So yeah, I think it's Cerrone's fight to lose. Uh, Lozon is a bit of a, a quick starter too from, from memory I haven't seen him fight in a while now but uh, I think that could be a bit of an issue for uh, for Cerrone I wouldn't be surprised if Lozon did win it but I, I agree with you I would favour Cerrone uh, in this one uh, OSP is fighting Shogun you know in a fight that could matter in that division to be honest because it isn't the strongest in the world on 205 uh, and then we have the three big fights Chandler versus Ferguson Nami Yunus versus Esparza for the 115 pound title and then Charles Oliveira against Justin Gaethje for 155 pound title first up Graham the Chandler versus Ferguson fight like you, you yeah. can look at Tony Ferguson and think that he is the fighter he once was even though you know I've, I know you've said he's been badly overrated for a long time but it's 2019 since he was last won a fight that was against Donald Cerrone we just spoke about Michael Chandler you know he hasn't done had the best uh, of it since he came into the, the UFC losing Tough what opponents. is it two out of three but yeah as we said you know the Gaethje fight he almost knocked out Chandler uh, in the uh, you know in the first round of that fight he beat Dan Hooker but the Gaethje fight he just kind of came out uh, striking with him but you'd have to favour Chandler here I think what, what do you think? Yeah, I think this is a very difficult fight for Tony Ferguson. You know, I've talked a bit about it nausea over the years about how overrated Tony Ferguson is, and he's getting on now. He's been in a lot of a lot of wars. He's had injuries that he hasn't treated properly. By the sounds of things, he's kind of done it his way, which is which is sometimes a bit of a mad way. Um, and he's very vulnerable on the feet defensively I think his striking defense has never been good like he can dish it out but he, he his offensive boxing isn't too bad and striking isn't too bad but I think he's very open I think Chandler will land one of his big shots early and knock him down Tony Ferguson's you know shown that he can survive but I think I think Chandler might be too much for him Chandler probably knock him out in the first round or second round I think yeah I, I think Chandler will land too many big shots in him here um It'll be interesting to see if Ferguson has adjusted anything or is better in any way, but yeah, like I think... See, if it goes to the ground here, I don't really think Ferguson's going to be able to do much either, so I just think this style matchup is just really bad for him. It is, yeah. I'm actually surprised they didn't keep this matchup for McGregor, honestly. That McGregor versus Ferguson fight made so much sense, a great way to get McGregor back against the name. You know, I think if he beats Chandler here, that's a tougher matchup to make then, but... Anyway, um, our Chandler beats him here even. Um, it, it, look, it's an interesting fight. I think both guys will come out hitting hard early. And, you know, I, I do think Chandler will win. But you never know with Ferguson as well. He still has that ability to take damage. And, you know, Chandler's a big, muscular guy. If he goes all out for three rounds, we could see him getting tired. And Ferguson still will be there. And, you know, 
you, you quickly become a, a white belt if you're very tired. So yeah. maybe Ferguson could get a third round submission or something like that. It'd be, it's true. Be maybe maybe he hurts him early and can't finish him and kind of gasses yeah. himself out a little bit. And you know Tony Ferguson's cardio that could happen. And if, if I think it's very unlikely, but if that was to happen, and Tony Ferguson was to win, then you know that Conor fight absolutely would be perfect. Yeah. Oh, it'd be brilliant. <laughs> it'd be a manna from heaven from McGregor. I think it'd be. I think that fight makes so much sense, and I hope it happens. But anyway, uh, the two title fights in Nami Yunus versus Esparza. Look, obviously Esparza has the win over Rose uh, back in the day, and she's won what a good few fights in a row now. Uh, one, two, three, four, five fights in a row, beating yeah, you know, uh, Yan Xiaonan, which was a great win last summer, and Marina Rodriguez, Michelle Waters, and Alexa Grasso, Jandi Roba. Um, Obviously, beating Ami Yunus back in, when was it, 2014? God almighty, that's a long time ago Jeez. now. Doesn't yeah. seem that long, I remember. I, remember yeah, I thought you were going to say, like, 2017 or something. <laughs> yeah, I was like, oh, 20, 20, 2019. Um, but, uh, look, I don't think she has much of a hope here, honestly. But, but she's a very good wrestler. If she does take her down and can't She's hard to look good against, you know. Yeah. yeah, she's hard to look good against. She makes it kind of nasty and, and awkward. But, yeah, I think... Rose is a much more evolved fighter of the two of them since they, they first fought. Uh, she has a lot more tools to finish fights than Carla. Like Car- Carla probably looking to take this long and kind of maybe not the most exciting fight, but I I think Rose should have enough here to, to get it done. Her striking yeah. is on a different level to Carla's, but like all of, like if Carla can get get her down and get on top, she's she's very good from there. So there's definitely there's definitely a method of victory here for Carla, but I'd be surprised. Uh, it's it's I think it's going to take a five round non stop game plan for Carla Esparza to win this, and uh, I think she has the She's ability shown to that do before, that. Yeah. 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 She has the ability to do that. Uh, do I think she will do it? No, I, I think Nami Yunus will be good enough to stop the takedowns. Like what I can see here, if she does take her down, I can see Nami Yunus getting on like a Kimura sweeping and getting back up. Uh, rather than maybe or taking the back in a scramble or something yeah, like that maybe. she's very good jiu-jitsu it's, it's one thing like people forget about Rose Namunas she started out as a submission artist as a jiu-jitsu artist and then she turned into this fantastic striker uh, under Trevor Whitman and I've always thought like Rose would be even better if she could meld those two a little bit more and I don't think I still don't think she has done that she's only 15 fights into her career let's uh, let's remember that too so she's still learning she's still going she's still pretty young in her career um, and I expect Rose Namunas to get better and better and better obviously you know mentality she's spoken about many times is, is uh, an issue for her but I, I actually think it's a strong point for her as well when she um, you know when she gets everything right and if she can get everything right here against uh, Sparza, I think it's also a fight that she can look good in in ways now as you said it's hard to look good against Sparza, but if you can stop that takedown keep her on the field I, I think it's a fight you quickly do look good in but uh, an interesting fight an interesting styles matchup interesting in terms of the fact that Rose Namunas a lifetime ago lost to Carla Sparza, but she did lose to her it did happen and uh, if she can get revenge here it will be uh, it will be a big one um and in the main event, Charles Oliveira against Justin Gaethje. Look, it's one of those fights where you look at Charles Oliveira and he's unbelievable on the ground, lands big, hard power shots and can now take shots where maybe before that was a question about him. But I went back and myself and Ian have a rewatch coming out this week watching the Chandler-Oliveira fight. He took a lot of shots against Michael Chandler. Yeah. And if he does the same against Justin Gaethje, he could be in big trouble here, Graham, couldn't he? Yeah, I think Justin can sustain it. He's shown he can sustain these kind of wild combination flurries uh, for a long time. And, um, yeah, I, I, like, 
I know Oliver is a champion and he's looked really good and I've picked against him a lot in the past but I'm and been wrong uh, recently but I think I think I picked against, I picked him the last time but anyway um I think he's going to I think he's going to get knocked out here um I think it's going to be too much uh from from uh, Justin on the feet I think he's going to land hard leg kicks he's going to land body punch he's going to land volume to the head and you know Oliver has definitely turned a corner in terms of his uh, ability to kind of uh, take damage and come through it mentally or continue on or whatever but yeah I think I think it's go- he's, he's going to get overwhelmed here and I think he's going to get put away um I I am torn in this fight a little bit right I think Charles Oliveira can either make this very easy for himself or he can make it very fucking hard for himself if he goes out there striking with Justin Gaethje yeah he's going to make it very hard I think that's what he's going to do though I think he's shown in recent fights that he kind of wants to prove that that's yeah. what he can do now and yeah if he goes in there and gets a takedown we've seen how bad you know Justin Gaethje's Jiu Jitsu uh, <laughs> his off yeah. his back is just atrocious and maybe you know if Oliveira is smart to a game plan and goes in and gets him down it could be a really quick submission you know he could he could have him out of there in seconds but I just think that Oliveira is kind of he, he's shown that he's willing to strike now and I think that's going to be his downfall Look, if you're betting on this fight, and a spoiler alert for the betting job, but like, Gaethje by a knockout, Oliveira by submission, back the two of them, and you'll be on to a winner here, I feel like. It's going to be one of them, like, I mean, my Oliveira might... Fight the finish in the first round, I wonder what odds that is. Yeah, I'd rather be up there doing this, but let's see. Honestly, it's, look, it's going to be an exciting fight. Now, we, we talked about this before, and I don't think it made sense at the time to make it. And, you know, Gaethje might have got it back a little bit quickly and all that. But we can forget about that now. It's a great fight. It's, look, we, we, we can speculate who's going to win, how it's going to go. I think this is going to be a fucking brilliant fight, whichever way it goes. Because it's going to be exciting early. These lads are not here to play tiddlywinks. These lad are, lads are not to come back looking at jabs and then, you know, looking at each other from the outside. Gaethje has become more of that recently, to be fair, but, you know, <laughs> he kind of had to, I suppose. He was getting too wild there for a while, but uh, this is going to be an unbelievable fight for as long as it lasts. It's going to be really fun. And I, I have said Oliveira by submission for uh, for a good while and I'm, I'm sticking I'm sticking with that yeah um, I wouldn't be surprised but uh, uh, yeah I think I think you know this is this is it for for Gaethje he's got to he's got to go for it uh, and I think he's going to go for it early and I, you know we've seen in the past how, how kind of relentless he can be and uh, I think he's going to hurt uh, Oliveira early and you know maybe Oliveira can you know come through that he's he definitely shown more than um more of an ability to overcome overcome bad situations and things like that than he has in the past. He, like absolute credit to him for that. But I just have a feeling. I don't know. Maybe it goes against logic, but I just have a feeling that he's going to try and strike with 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 Justin Early, and I think that's that's going to be really bad for him. Uh, obviously, them leg kicks from Justin will. will uh, you know, Oliver's not really a takedown guy but may- maybe the fact that Justin got so dominated on the ground he'll be wary to throw them leg kicks but I expect him to throw them anyway and I expect him to throw them hard and a lot early and ex- uh, yeah you know if he, if he if he if he can't put him away in the first round um, and Oliver gets or he can't put him away in the first round and Oliver gets a takedown yeah I think it's probably going to be a finish but I just have a I just have a feeling that Justin's going to get it done yeah, interesting. Well, I, I'll go the opposite way. We'll put a fiver on a gram and I'll gentleman's yeah. bet. We'll see who's going to win. We'll see who's going to win. Yeah, let's do it. Um, one, one or two questions, actually, in 
someone asked about Andy Young coming back as well. It was announced by uh, K-Jars. He's coming back. Um, Carl Moore is back as well. He signed with Bellator in a long-term deal, Graham. I know you've seen both lads fighting for a very long time. Good to see uh, both of them coming back to MMA. Yeah, absolutely. Andy Young, obviously, he's, he's fought like the who's who, fought every, any, anybody and everybody and you know his record is very up and down and especially down recently you know five losses in a row but it's Daniel Barras Ali Balagtinov Brian Creighton Sam Creasy you know these are some tough guys and you know maybe some time off uh, has has done him has done him good made him you know passionate again if he's coming back uh, he, he you know if he's coming back now it must be it must be for the, the love of the game so you know he's a difficult matchup for anybody. His his wrestling, his his shots are really good. He's really tough. He can he can strike. He, he has wins over people like uh, Aaron Albee, Dominic Wooding in the past. You know uh, Keith Cody, Steve McComb. Uh, you know his he, his first pro fight was against Brian Moore. His second pro fight was against Decky Dalton. His third pro fight was against Alan Philpot. Like you know what I mean? He's he's in there with some really good guys. And you look at his record, you may think, uh, you know. It's kind of like an Artem, an Artem or a Neil Siri record at one stage, but they kind of proved that maybe, you know, records are for DJs. <laughs> Indeed they are, yeah. Looking forward to him. And uh, Carl Moura as well. You know, I, I think he's come back at light heavyweight in Bellator, so it'll be interesting. You know, they might have the biggest light heavyweight division in the world. And it's very hard to get fights at heavyweight or light heavyweight around here. Uh, so being with Bellator will be... Uh, It'll be more opportunities for him and everything like that. So, yeah, very, very good. you know, a guy who was on the verge of being a double, double champion, champion and going UFC, to the UFC yeah. and all this stuff, and you know, it's, it's everything can change really quickly. And he, you know, he, his last fight was a was a win over Lee Chadwick in a split decision. And that was nearly three years ago now. So it's been a while for Carl Moore. And I, 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 um, if he's going to fight at two hundred five, you know. I think it's good to stick to one division going up and down. It just makes it more difficult. I think to, when you try to go back down again, you know maybe that was part of the reason why why yeah. he ended up kind of getting derailed a little bit. But if you look at his record, you know that loss to Paul Craig back in 2015 in a fight that he was actually winning up until he lost. That's kind of the story of every Paul Craig fight, I suppose. But <laughs> yeah, he got submitted in that one. But he, he's fought some good guys, and you know a couple of couple of quick wins here. You know he'd be. He'd be in contention for the for the, the Bellator title picture, I think, pretty quickly. Yeah, indeed, he's because he's the guy, like they would love to do that as well. You know, the Bellator love getting Irish guys up there quickly, and you know he's a big, strong, exciting guy. We'll see what improvements he's made as well. You know, he's been down at SPG HQ for for a while now, and you know they have the likes of Will Flurry there and and Johnny Walker and others as well. So I'm sure you know having those sort of big guys there, which uh, can only help and uh, bring him on. So I'm looking forward to seeing uh, Carl Moore back as well. Um, just another quick question here. We we'll obviously answer the rest of them on the Q and A. If you have any questions, at Severe Mepod uh, are over on Patreon as well. You can send them in there. I thought this was very interesting. I wanted to, to mention Dalton Zickney asked, do you think this is the ceiling for Cheeto Vera? And um, I actually think, like, I think mm. it isn't after that performance from last night. I think, like, I think he can improve in that performance and he has improved in past performances with that performance. So I actually think Cheeto Vera can go on and he can keep improving and he can keep, you know, getting better at this stage of his career. And uh, m- maybe that's the thing I didn't think I'd be saying before the fight, but now uh, I do. do. Do you think this could be a ceiling for him? Um, it could be the ceiling for him like you know I talked earlier about the confidence if he can if, like if he can go in there and get another uh, another another big win 
you know, I, I, I don't see him going all the way to the top, but I can see him being in really exciting fights for for a long time. You know, as, as you go up the rankings, it, it, it's tough. It's it tough. tough yeah. Like, you know, it is really tough. Um, you know, Aldo, Dillashaw, Peter Jan, Sterling, even Sandhagen. Yeah, he's already lost Aldo. Yeah, it's you know, it's, it's it could be it could be the the biggest win he'll ever have, but time will tell, I suppose. But yeah, yeah like based on that performance last night, it looks like he's turned a corner. But you know, sometimes sometimes it looks like it's a new dawn, and the next fight is kind of back to the old routine. Well, I, th- I thought you were going to say like something really introspective there. Sometimes it looks like a new dawn, but the next time it's dusk. <laughs> One of the what was, it, what was it Eric Cathan that said about the seagulls? Yeah, uh, the seagulls follow the troller because they think sardines will be thin. That's what he said. That's, exa- <laughs> that's exactly what he said. But uh, yeah, we uh, we leave it there. Another long podcast this week. They're all turning into fucking epics at this stage, like the Iliad or something. Mm. Speaking um, of the the Eric Cathan, I think actually nine months for attacking fans. What, what do you think Ronaldo is going to get for attacking that that kid? Uh, I, I hope they get rid of him all together. We need to start new. We've got a manager. <laughs> hope has arrived. Eric Tin Hope. I'm starting to call him. Going to be great. We got a draw against Chelsea last week. Fucking, it's all, it's all up and up for sure, me. Yeah, he'll be drunk lying on the streets of Manchester in six months. Uh, uh, <laughs> fucking, I wouldn't blame him. The poor old lad. But look, at least uh, he's getting rid of Pogba and getting rid of Lingard and getting rid of fucking Mata and Matic. So Pogba is getting rid of the Man United, Jimmy. Oh, no fucking harm. God, he, he can go, good luck. I never want to see him again. But uh, yeah, anyway. Before we go, actually, let me give a shout out to my guy, Dev Fretz. He made me... Um, uh, logo for the, the Q&A which as, as I mentioned will be out Tuesday absolutely great we have a new intro as well for that featuring the likes of James Gallagher and Ian, uh, Ian uh, Gary and Conor McGregor and Chad Dundas and Ariel Luani and John Anik and loads more as well so uh, check out the Q&A if you haven't I have a sneak preview of that intro and the new uh, artwork as well up there so shout out to, to Dave Fretz for that uh, if you haven't signed up for Patreon please do patreon.com forward slash severe MMA podcast we have loads of stuff there uh, every week uh, the hot topic this week Graham you're going to be doing I don't know who you're doing it yet with yet but one of the lads needs to stand up maybe Harry Powell maybe one of the lads you'll be doing it with I'm sure you'll be talking about uh, the, the big goings on of, of this weekend and no contests and everything like that and uh, we have uh, Speaker Scarner coming up on Thursday as always we have a rewatch coming up I think is it this week or maybe next week um, but we have loads of stuff anyway uh, as always over on Patreon so please sign up over there help us keep the lights on it's coming into the, the summer now I'm sure you'll be driving around the place um, going to the beaches and stuff like that so it's great to have an old podcast on in the background and we have loads of them I know I'm always running out of podcasts Graham uh, I signed up for two Patreons myself this week as you know because you were kind of half paying for them <laughs> <laughs> yeah <laughs> So, so uh, it's, it's always great to have more uh, podcast listens. So sign up. It's only five or a week. You pay a pint for that. And, or five or a month, sorry. Not a five or a week. What am I talking about? I think it works out at like 30 cent per podcast. So Chase, you'd lose that down the back of the couch. You might as well give it to us. So uh, yeah. SevereMed.com forward slash Patreon. P-A-T-R-E-O-N. We leave it there, Graham. Have you uh, an inspirational quote for us to... Uh, well, I, have a, I have a song lyric. Go on. This is a Radiohead song lyric this time. All right. Just because you feel it doesn't mean it's there. Beautiful. We'll see you next week. Tuesday, Monday, whenever. Good luck. Sunday.